We're going to hear a number of those stories over the months to come. We're starting a series this morning called Everyday Faith. And during the month, we're going to hear from a whole heap of people who are going to share their story of everyday faith. Um, and um, just really appreciate the words uh, from Tracy this morning and from Bev. And um, I want to welcome you into church. It's a real privilege and pleasure to kick off the year. Uh, 2021. Um, it's going to go well this morning. I'm, I'm positive of that because my friend, little friend Ruby just gave me a, a mermaid sticker that I'm proudly wearing. So we've got, a, we've got a win this morning. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Ruby. Uh, let's pray to start. Father God, we just invite you into our lives this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would open our lives to receive from you. Father, I pray that you would filter out the Joel stuff and that you would show the Jesus stuff. Lord, that you would be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. We can't lose now. We've got Holy Spirit power. How about that? Uh, we made it. How about that? We made it through 2020. How are you feeling right now about the new year, about the end of 2020, a year like none other? Are you feeling relief, celebration? We made it. How about that? Um, are you feeling sadness or loss or excitement? Um, I have to admit I've felt a few uh, emotions since new year. It was a new, new year that I was particularly keen for this time. Uh, as it probably was for you. But I'm feeling anticipation now. I'm feeling like um, there are going to be new opportunities to come. Um, we don't know what they're going to be. And as I spoke about a, a few weeks ago, our God is constantly doing new things in our lives. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's doing new things. When I consider the 50-plus years that I've lived and the 50-plus new years that I've gone through, every year there has been new things that I've done. Every year I've met new people. I've gone to new places, I've had new experiences, and I've learned new things. Every year, and 2021 promises the same, that we will meet new people, go to new places, have new experiences. Now, I have to be honest... Not every one of those years are years that I want to remember. Um, there have been years that I've experienced great challenges, like sickness or sadness, unemployment or loss. But thanks be to God, so far I have survived 100% of the years that I've lived. How about that? Um, I'd also like to think that I've done better than survive. I think I've actually learned and grown through those experiences and I've actually been victorious through those times too. It brings, to me, brings me this morning to our brand new sermon series called Everyday Faith. Over the month of January, we're going to, or you're going to hear from a whole heap of different people who are going to share about their Christian life experience and what they have learned about everyday faith. So let me start by introducing a few concepts that you're likely to hear through the service, through the series over the next few weeks. 
The first one being everyday faith. What is everyday faith? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? It's everyday faith. It's, it's that my faith is lived and developed in not just the religious activities that we do, but in the ordinary things that I do and the ordinary places that I go. You see, Christianity isn't just a Sunday thing or something that we experience when we do Christian things. Christianity is a relationship with God and a new way of living that is lived out in our everyday lives through our normal everyday activities. That's what Christianity is. Through our normal everyday activities, our relationships and our interactions. The second term you might hear is persistent personal growth. Growth of any kind takes time and it's not as automatic as we'd like to think. Any kind of growth takes time and it takes the right kind of conditions or environment. It takes nurturing and it takes the right kind of food. These things also need to be regular or persistent for for sustained growth. We can't just rely on the one activity, the one conference, the one group that we attend. It's persistent and regular. The same is true for personal Christian growth. The next term you might hear is the term maturity. Did you know that God wants us to be mature in our faith? He doesn't want us to stay as babes in Christ or babes in our faith. He wants us to grow. So what does that mean? How do we know that we're growing? How do we know that we've got maturity? I can tell you that Christian maturity doesn't, isn't guaranteed by age. It doesn't matter how old you are or how many years that you've been in church or how many things that you do in church or how much you know, that doesn't equal maturity. Paul talked about maturity being one of the goals of the church. He wrote, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hear those last words again. Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to become mature. So the last term is... This, and this is my definition this morning, Christian maturity is this, is being like Christ. Jesus, after all, was the author and perfecter of our faith. He created us and he lived the perfect life. So my hope is that throughout this series you will understand, apply and experience everyday faith. What it is to live an everyday kind of faith and experience every fa- everyday faith growth in your life. Can I tell you briefly part of my Christian story? Some of you are probably thinking that Joel can't briefly share anything. Um, that's probably true. Um, I've always gone to church. Some, most of you already know that. I've said that before. From the very first Sunday that mum and dad could take me to church, I was there. I've always believed in God. I always knew that he was there. I always believed that Jesus was the son of God because that's what they told me. 
That's what the Bible said. Always believe that Jesus loved me, that he died for me, that he rose again. I just accepted that from the start. So at a Billy Graham crusade at the Randwick Racecourse in Sydney in 1979, it seemed obvious to me that I should decide to follow Christ. That was a no-brainer for me. Even though at the time I didn't fully understand what that meant to live that out. Some of my very earliest memories of church uh, as a child was that I loved church. Um, it caught my attention, it caught my heart very early on. And I loved everything about it. And it's a love that I've actually carried through all my years. I've always very keenly observed everything that goes on in church and I love it. But I remember as a child, as a young child's probably about this big, standing out the front with the worship leader to help lead choruses uh, from a young age. I also remember quickly becoming that annoying kid who would answer all the questions uh, they asked in Sunday school, and I would put my hand up every single time to volunteer um, or help. Uh, and if you're in Sunday school, here's a tip that I learned as a child. The answer to most New Testament questions is Jesus, right? <laughs> Even if it sounds like a squirrel or something else, it's always Jesus, okay? Most of the time you'll get it right. I can't remember much of the teaching uh, at our tiny little community church in my younger years. What I do remember was the way that they talked. Uh, they prayed, they sang, they acted. It was different. Excuse me, I'm going to need a drink for a moment. Has anyone else experienced this too? That they talk different? They didn't swear, they didn't smoke, they didn't drink. I don't think we danced. And we certainly didn't talk about sex. We're a conservative kind of church. And my young, immature mind just thought that's how Christianity was done. We talked a particular way, we prayed, we sang, we did all those things. And that was Christianity. So I learned to talk the way that they did. And I could pray with the best of them. Uh, I could use the big words, sanctify. I beseech ye uh, were words that we learned to use. And I could pray the long prayers too. I could sing the parts to the songs, to the old hymns. I love to hear those old hymns, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Who knows that one? Yeah, how about that? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing My great Redeemer's praise You can sing with me My great re oh. It's a tough crowd um, I can't help myself, sorry And I went to all the church activities Because I thought that was how the Christian life was measured I particularly like the Lamington Drives and the potluck dinners. Um, and Christianity was easy in our little community because most of our lives outside of work and school were done together in our Christian bubble. We did everything together and my Christian life was comfortable. Does anyone relate? But I had no concept of what it was to be a Christian outside of our church 
group and outside of our church activities. I had no idea what it meant to have an everyday faith, an everyday relationship with my Father God. I had no idea how to live out my life with the non-church people that I interacted with every day. That was my experience. Even into my late teens and 20s, I carried some of these misconceptions into my Christian life. So I continued to throw myself into Christian activity. Every single group that I could go to, every single ministry that I could be involved with, because it was easy to be a Christian in those places. Everyone spoke the same language, they acted the same way, they had the same interests, but life and work and relationships outside of the church outside of the Christian bubble were a challenge. How was I to live out my Christian life? How was I to integrate my faith into my everyday activities? And it took a long time to learn these lessons. And I have to admit, I'm still learning. How do I integrate my Christian life into my ordinary, everyday life? So we come to our Bible reading this morning. It's from Romans 12. One and two, and I'm reading from the message, paraphrase or translation, whatever you want to call it. So here's what I want you to do. Paul's writing this. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll readily recognise what he wants from him and you'll quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. For some reason, this is one of those passages of Scripture that keeps popping up in my life. I can't seem to get past it when it shows itself. Do you have any of those kinds of passages in your life? This passage seems to just stand out. It stirs something in me. Maybe God wants to tell me something uh, and wants to keep reinforcing that. Of course, the message translation wasn't around for much of my life, uh, in the early years certainly. So the version I was most familiar with was the NIV, which says this, and you might be more familiar with this too, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Is that familiar? But I I love the modern day language of the message version though. It makes sense to me what everyday faith is. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're uh, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That makes sense to me. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. 
and it also makes sense as to how we can mature. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. That makes sense. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I want to bring you back to my earlier definition of what Christian maturity looks like for a moment. That's this. It's being like Christ. That's what Christian maturity is. So let me ask you a question. How does one become like Christ? How does one become like Christ? Here's what I'm learning. Um, I'm about to share three, um, three things that I've learned about everyday faith. And hopefully they will be a framework for you with, uh, in which you can frame what your Christian, what your everyday faith will look like. And the first thing that I've learned is that everyday faith happens through relationships with God, with others, in community. This is what Jesus did. His whole life was about relationships with his father, with people in his ordinary, ordinary, everyday, normal situations, and together with his community of believers. And Jesus gave his best to all of these relationships, God, others, his community. In the Gospels, we read about the relationship that Jesus had with his father. He often went off to pray to his father. He talked often about doing the will of his father. And he talked about being one with the Father. That relationship was paramount. That was the most important relationship. Then Jesus died that we could also become children of God and also have a relationship with God the Father. We also read about how Jesus interacted with people at such a deep level, in groups and with individuals. And I love how Jesus gave his best to help people he always treated people with grace and mercy, with love and compassion. I love how Jesus treated the interruptions. Do you know what I mean? The people who pop up when we don't want them to pop up. Jesus had this all the time. But no one was a bother to Jesus, or no one was too much trouble or undeserving of his time. He treated each of these interruptions as well as the planned. Although I suspect the interruptions were also meant to be. But Jesus was very intentional about giving his best to each of these connections. We also read about the community of followers that Jesus had. We call them the disciples. The 12 guys who spent about three years of Jesus' ministry years together with him, doing deep life stuff. They did deep life stuff. They learned about the kingdom of God. They learned what it was to be a follower of Jesus. They got the best education on the job training of what everyday faith is like because they saw it demonstrated in the way that Jesus lived every day. At Door of Hope, our mission statement is to be Jesus-centred, others-focused and together in community. And it's a reflection on how Jesus actually lived his life. God, 
others together in community. I'm learning that I cannot grow without being intentionally Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community in my everyday faith. I cannot grow without a close connection to God. I cannot grow without giving my best to people every day. The way I interact with people matters and it makes a difference in people's lives. And I cannot grow without regular, deliberate, deliberate connection with a community of believers who I can do life with. We were meant to do life in community, together in community. And there's all kinds of ways uh, in this church that you can do that. I'd love to talk to you about it if you're longing for community. Uh, there's other leaders here that could talk to you this morning about that too. I'm also learning that everyday faith happens through service. Jesus was really big on this quality, service. Service is simply helping or doing something for someone else. Putting their needs above our own. He taught about it. He lived it. He demonstrated it and was very clear that, he, that his followers should follow his example. When I think about Jesus and service, I think about how he was the son of God, he was the creator of the universe, he was the saviour of the world, and yet he washed his disciples' feet. How amazing is that? I'm also reminded about his words instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. What about the passage in Philippians that says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage rather he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant taking the very nature of a servant when I think about how service has impacted my life it has been some of those occasions with friends when friends and family have selflessly and sacrificially serve my family, and these have been the most significant impacts. Like my dad, who was an older man at the time, helped me to move tons of soil from under our house with just shovels and buckets, just to create a storage area. Or my next-door neighbour, who uh, repaired our roof while we were away because it needed to be done. Even smaller acts of service like someone bringing you a coffee without being asked or giving you a little mermaid sticker or receiving a meal or a helping hand when I was ill. Even these things touch my heart. So it occurred to me that the quickest way to a person's heart is this, is by serving them. The quickest way to a person's heart, how to soften a heart, serve them. So when I think about the times that I've also served others, big or small, it still does something to my heart. Um, there's a sense of satisfaction about doing the selfless, sacrificial Jesus kind of service. It's like our heart gets bigger. I certainly think, think it helps us to grow to be like Jesus because 
we're doing what Jesus did. If you're looking for a place to start or restart your everyday faith journey, serving might be a place to start. It can be easily integrated into our everyday, ordinary life. Lastly, I'm learning that everyday faith involves a focus on the least, the last, and the lost. And I'm going to need another drink. The least, the last, and the lost. This is such a big feature in the life of Jesus. He's focused on the least, the last, the lost. His whole life and ministry are about those who are far away from God. These included the outcasts, the disconnected, the broken, the lonely, the helpless, the hopeless, and all kinds of sinners. Jesus had lots of time and compassion for these people. This was what his ministry was about. He even included included them into his closest circles. He hung out with those it was unacceptable to hang out with, like children or women, Samaritans. He healed lepers. He even attended a party with those loathsome tax collectors. He socialised with the irreligious and the religious people judged and mocked him for his behaviours by calling him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, they said. But that was why he came. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So what I'm learning is that my everyday faith, being like Jesus, requires intentional interactions with those who don't know Christ. With the least, the last, the lost. And it doesn't mean that I need to preach Jesus in every conversation or even mention him. But I can show Jesus in every interaction through kindness, through encouragement, through service, through love and mercy. I say this is an everyday faith thing because we come across these people every day in our normal, everyday situations, in our community, in our workplaces or school, in our friendships, or even in our families. So how important is it that we give our best to these interactions? We may be their only encounter with Jesus. Let me come back to my earlier question as we finish. How does one become like Christ? There's a really simple answer to that question. It's this, do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. There are also other kinds, there are other correct answers to that question. I don't want to diminish any of them. Personal and corporate prayer, Bible study, 20 minutes in the chair, worship, being a part of a connect group, regular church attendance, tithing, using your spiritual gifts and serving in ministry are all necessary disciplines and practices for uh, persistent personal growth. They're all necessary. But these practices must go hand in hand with the type of everyday faith that I've been talking about. In a sense, these disciplines and practices are the foundation, lessons and fuel that we need to live out our faith every day, Monday to Sunday. We need those things to live out our everyday faith. 
But if we were to have the disciplines without the daily expression of our faith, we would miss the opportunity to make a difference in the world. And others would miss the opportunity to see and experience the hope, love and faith that we have in Jesus. We need to get out there and do that everyday faith. Let me finish with the Bible passage again. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. What does that mean for you, that, that particular passage? How do you respond to that? Take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God as an, as an offering. What will your everyday faith journey look like? How will you live out your everyday, ordinary faith? My guess is that it will look different from person to person, as you will hear over the coming weeks as we hear from different speakers about their journeys. But my encouragement to you is this this morning. Consider your everyday faith within the context of relationships. That's what Jesus did. God, Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community. That's, That's the context through serving others. We can all do that every day in our everyday life and with a focus on the least, the last and the lost because that's what Jesus did. Let me pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word, for what it teaches us. I pray that you would impress it upon our hearts, that we would respond. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us, that you would make us And help us to be more like Christ. Lord, I pray that we would consider our relationships, that we would consider being Jesus-centred, others-focused and together in community, that we would want to be like Christ and serve others. But Lord, that we would also focus on the least, the last, the lost, those who also need Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.